0: FTI community, what is going on this week? Welcome back to yet another session of the In Your Studio podcast. And of course, I can't do this alone. Currently, on, I believe it's a three-streak week. We got Will. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing fantastic on the third streak. Uh, Keep it going. Uh, How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I want to just say that I am so happy you're here for three that I can't even say the word streak properly. So, you know, it is going pretty damn good. Uh, we are currently celebrating our third anniversary late next week on April 28th. But before we get there, let's be in the now. Uh, I just want to say, first and foremost, I have seen the Super Mario Brothers movie twice, and it is one stellar movie. Everything about it. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody listening, and of will, because I know he hasn't seen it. Nope. Uh, wow. It is a good movie. What have you been up to this week? Um, nothing really, man. It's very
1: chill week. Playing a lot of CS, but other than that, nothing. Hoping to see the new uh, the Ari Aster movie coming out, but that's about it. Alwanda, uh, how much money have you invested into um, CS:GO in the I, last uh, little while? I do not buy skins. That is a big oh, no, thing no. for me. I do not spend a single dollar on cosmetics, and that's just my own personal, like uh, my own personal um, compass, I guess.
0: Yeah, um that's actually very Zero. surprising. <laughs> Zero. Oh my god. No, I was honestly expecting like oh uh, you know like 20-30 bucks, but it's so it's oh, okay. No, it makes, oh, it makes no. the cosmetics look good. No. Um this week, as you can tell by the title, and just like the last four sessions, this is one I'm very, very, very excited for. We have probably one of my favorite speedrunners on the planet. We have Joe Ash. He is a video game developer. He is a speedrunner. He is a content creator, and most importantly, he plays my favorite video game of all time, Wind Waker. And this week, we get to, into conversations about his speedrunning starts, the development of his video game Slipstream, which you'll hear about a lot with the with the chance of a sequel down the line. I'm very excited. Uh, people also speedrunning his video game, the speedrunning community, and some of his close friends, Wind Waker HD, as I mentioned. Everyone's favorite speedrunning game to run, Super Mario sixty four, and so much more. But before we get there, we gotta tell you what went down last week. Will, what went down last week?
1: Last week we got to speak with Mega Matt himself. Uh, We kind of went over with him basically his career as a content creator, how he kind of turned his passion into his own like way he uh, makes income there and his like kind of actual career he's kind of made from there. Uh, I got to kind of go over his love for uh, film, basically, and other like storytelling um, ways of like he makes his videos into stories, basically, and his other other nice like cinematography and photography kind of passions there. It seemed to be quite a well-received session there as Nintendo Sisko himself left a wonderful comment on the video there on YouTube. Uh, it goes eleven years as a con- eleven years in content creating. Wow, that's dedication. Love to hear the daily life of Megamat That's some create- creator passion he's got cooking up. Sure does, and he's not slowing down. <laughs> so very excited. Uh,
0: I agree with Nintendo Cisco entirely. On the surface, whatever content creator you watch, you usually watch their final product, and you kind of get like behind the scenes on like Twitter or something, but. Getting to learn Megamat from the inside out was one hell of a time. I thought I knew a lot about Megamat just from our previous conversations. But I enjoyed that conversation so much, so much so that he just recently posted a video on YouTube about why YouTube gave him um, a not fair copyright strike. And let me tell you, <laughs> well, this video is a must see. He kind of like broke down the process of like why YouTube was in the wrong and why they weren't listening to him. But when it, when by the end of the video, he's just like, "By the way, I was on the In Your Studio podcast uh, this past Friday. Go check it out." And I was just like, "I was like, cherry on top, man, cherry on top." Segwaying everything into this next topic, I want to talk about which we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast here: FTI's third anniversary is coming up on April twenty eighth. And what better way to celebrate an anniversary? The FTI community by putting the FTI community on some merchandise for the reimagined emblem designed by the wonderful Timmy Toucan. This design features many FTI community members' names, including Joe Ash, including Wednesday, Nintendo Cisco, Bryceus, Megamat, Emerson Corleone, Artie, Entity, Kiera Tacos, Zodia Knight, Yaren, Shoop, Flixo, Will himself, Danielle, Mystic Desire, myself, Papa Frank. There are so many more that I could go on for an hour about how much I love this design. But usually the podcast is about an hour, and we have a guest to talk to. So I'm just <laughs> going to tell you one last thing quickly. It is available on the FTI Merch Hub. You can find that link in the Instagram and Twitter bios. Oh, wait. There's more. Well, guess what? What? What is it? I want to give a big thank you to the Geek Slays. To Zodian Knight. To the fide Boss, who's also on the design. To Entity himself. To Young Phil. To Danielle. To Sam, to Mystic Desire, to Bryceus, to Timmy Toucan, and to David, because they have already picked up some FDI three year merch. So why don't you join them by tapping that link in our Instagram and Twitter bios? Now, I forgot one big part of this whole thing. We have to recap the week still. What went down on Good Morning? Well, who is FDI's creator of the week? The creator of the week this week is Caro Tacos, uh, nurse by
1: day, streamer by night, um, basically an overall taco enthusiast based on that wonderful name. She basically takes a really refreshing spin on streaming, uh, kind of going uh, being very wholesome and just spreading love quite a bit. Um, very, very admirable creator. Uh, be good friends with uh, Raxa and Bryce, it's where you can catch her kind of streaming. Um, Call of Duty, Counter Strike, Counter Strike, been uh, having a pretty good time with it as well myself. Um, she's also very, very, um, into. Uh, streaming for fundraising as well Uh, one of the ones that she's basically kind of uh, has already donated to is make a wish and ukraine honestly just an overall just wonderful person and fantastic content creator
0: i can't agree more i want to tell you every time going into qt's chat there where everybody not just me but everybody is just the arms are open. She's hugging everybody. <laughs> whether she's playing Slenderman, whether she's playing Call of Duty, she gives everyone the love. So FTI wanted to give her the love this week. And you can catch her at twitch.tv slash KieroTacos. But all right, enough talking. Let's save some frames and head into Joash's studio. Once again, FTI community, we are joined by the speedrunner and video game developer, Dr. Pepper Enthusiast and longtime FTI community member, Joash. How are you doing tonight?
2: I am doing really good. How are you? How are y'all doing?
0: I am doing just wonderful. How are you doing, Will?
1: I am doing great. Great night. Nice and chill. Ready to go. It's
0: been it's been a really, really, really great uh, past few sessions at the End Your Studio podcast here. Uh, so for the fifth session, I'm like, hey, I know exactly what we have to have come on. Especially the day we're recording is Wind Waker's twentieth anniversary. Uh, so I feel like we lined this up perfectly. We have Joe Ash on. Uh, He is a speedrunner, mainly in the Zelda franchise with Super Mario 64 as well. Uh, But let's take it all the way back to August 25th of 2018, when you have your first on-record speedrun to the present day, where you've managed to capture top positions across many, many video games, such as Wind Waker HD and Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask, my bad. Uh, the dedication to breaking frames and setting world records, personal best is astonishing. But for those who are not familiar with the streamer, who is in the comfy chair?
2: Who are you, <laughs> and what are you all about? Well, my name is uh, my name is Joash. Uh, some also call me Joosh for short, or by my actual name, Jonah. But I, like like what Matt said, I am a I am a speedrunner, and I also develop games, but. Um, more on the more on the speedrunning since we're since we're on that subject. Um, I have been speedrunning now for Almost five years. We're really really technically five years because I actually started around this time of year um, in 2018 Learning Wind Waker HD just kind of just kind of for fun, you know, just kind of checking out speedrunning um, I'd always been interested in speedrunning for for years and then 2018 was finally the year that where where I broke and decided to, to do Wind Waker H D. Um it was funny because it was actually a particular trick that got found that was like really hype and it made the speedrun really good. Um that ended up, ended up breaking me to to run it. But um but basically um I started learning uh Wind Waker HD and then I did I did a couple of speedruns, not streaming it, not even really recording it, just for fun. And then I finished when I fin- when I finished my first full run, um, it ended up that that run at the time was in seventh place. It would have been seventh place on the board, and oh, wow. so my friend was like, "You should record this and like do do more of this." And I'm like, "You know, what? you're right." And I didn't and I was lucky enough to be able to afford a capture card at the time, and so so I got one. And like I said, on, on August twenty fifth, twenty eighteen was when I did my first speed run on stream, which was definitely nerve wracking. Um It was I definitely, and I definitely didn't know that day how far it would have gone. Because from that from that point onward, I mean I was just streaming just to be able to record runs, you know, kinda kinda get my runs out there, you know, wasn't expecting really too much. And ever since then, things have developed so much further than i would have even imagined they would have developed i i still i still kept running the game i got i got i got times that i wasn't i wouldn't have even dreamed of getting um eventually to the point where years later i would have had the wo- the world record for a day oh wow, it only, no it was way. only for it was only for a day but i did eventually get the 80 percent world record. But but more more on that more on that in a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I started off with Wind Waker H D and then the next year I started learning Majora I, I learned Majora's Mask three D. And though and those two games, um, because of how cool I thought the, the speedruns were, those two games have essentially become like my two main games and they've always kind of stuck out that way as the two main games that I speedrun. Uh, there have also been some other games that I've tried out, like Mario 64. Mario, uh, I've tried it a little bit of Super Mario Sunshine as well. I would say Super Mario 64 is probably my third most run game as well. Um, in fact, that's actually, if I remember correctly, that's actually what I was speedrunning when Matt ended up finding my stream. Um, I remember those days. That was back in, like, 2021, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so it's been... So it's crazy to think back to when I started speedrunning and thinking now that I've been speedrunning Wind Waker HD for five years, which is absolutely insane to think about. Um, but nowadays I've been speedrunning Majora's Mask 3D because, um, I did did a lot of speedruns of it a couple years ago, but then, um... So I played on a 3DS of course, but the capture card that I had in my 3DS to be able to record uh ended up breaking, so I had to get a new one eventually. But I didn't get one but I didn't get another one for a little while. And it's not until recently that I've gotten back into that game. So it's been fun. It's been fun.
0: Interesting. And with uh sorry, sorry, with all of that, what I really wanted to touch on was the very beginning when you said like a certain trick was found there. Uh, to like kinda like push you into speedrunning before your friend did. Uh what was kinda like the brown uh the groundbreaking uh glitch or trick that uh was like, hey, I'm gonna go perfect that and kinda build off that and learn like the route for was it any percent you said it was?
2: hmm It was any percent. So I guess um so the trick in particular was at near the end of the run. Um a little bit of context on speedrunning in general <laughs> before I get into that since um since I know you two are a little bit Newer to the speedrunning scene, speedruns, um, of course, they they use they use glitches and and tricks that are already in the game to make the game as fast as possible. And the the community will try to look for glitches and try to you know, break the game even further, which I think is something that makes speedrunning really exciting and keeps keeps it keeps it fresh as well because things can keep getting discovered. It'll, Reinvent reinvent the speed run make make things even more interesting. Maybe even make things more challenging Or maybe even make things even more even easier because of better setups and and stuff like that, but back going going back to that one trick uh, before so at the very end of the run after you beat Puppy Ganon in In Wind Waker HD before you get to the the final Ganondorf fight. There's this platform that you need the hook shot to get up to, which is which lets you get go straight up there. Mm-hmm. But in any percent, you skip the hook shot. But originally, um, for a little while, the trick that they had to do to get up there was incredibly luck based, like two percent chance of working, kind of kind cool. of luck. Um, basically, the way it works is that in order to get up on that platform, you can do what's known as a zombie hover. And a zombie hover, when you, when you get down to zero health, you have, you have just a little bit of time to do a jump slash, but when you do the jump slash, the jump slash gets cut off while you're in the air because the game's like, oh wait, no, you're dead. But you can take advantage of that by continually mashing the B button and keep getting those jump slashes so you can just rise up in the air while you're dead. But the catch to that is is that the moment you hit the ground, then you're dead. So yeah. <laughs> in order to take full advantage of that, you have to you have to get some form of you have to take advantage of some sort of healing, whether it's a heart or a fairy. So for this trick, originally, that what they what runners would do is they would get Two fairy pots that are near the top of there. They will shoot the fairy pots and the fairies would kind of fly around for a little bit. And they start doing the hover. Now what will happen is that the fairies will fly around for a little bit and then they'll fly straight up. But where they fly straight up to is completely random.
0: Oh. So. Oh.
2: So. Because of that. Um, it, it is completely random whether that fairy will pass by you while you're in the air or not, and if they, if they pass you and don't, and don't actually hit you, then Mm. you can't get healed, you have to restart the trick. And it's like a minute or two each time to restart the trick. I see. So, um, so that made runs of any percent really difficult back then, to say the least, because you get all the way to the end of the run, and it's just completely luck-based whether or not you even finish. Like you can you can get it first try, which is really rare, or you can be on this really good run and then get it like eighth try and you know lose the run like that.
1: i was gonna say you say back in the day, it's um, I'm assuming that's changed now. Does like um like has the run changed to not incorporate that trick basically?
2: Yes. Oh, so the run has actually changed quite a bit. So what happened was is that what. So one of, the, one of the main streamers who streamed the game at the time, I mean, he still streams, he, he's doing other games as well, but Gymnast86 had found a different way to do it. And he actually revealed it in a stream where he was showing off a Twilight Princess uh, tool-assisted speedrun that he had made. Mm-hmm. Um, and since that was kind of a big thing... He ended up showing what he had found after that, and it was this big hype moment. He had, like, this speech about it, making it all hype. But basically what it was was that the, the, way, the way it was made better was that there are three, three spiky enemies called morts that are yes. near where you stand, like, right before you do the trick. And normally when you slash them with a sword, they drop a heart. But if you were to shoot them with a bow, they don't drop a heart. However, the way the enemy works is that they latch onto you if you get too close to them. So, what you can do is if you slash the, the Morth with your sword, but have them latch onto you at the same time, it will prevent them from dying. However, since you last hit them with a sword, it makes them drop a heart, regardless of what item you use. So we, sl- so we slash the Morth, make it to where he'll drop a heart, and then we are able to use the leaf to blow the Morth onto the platform, and then we can shoot the Morth with the bow, and it drops a heart every single time. So because of that, you can get up on that platform 100% of the time. And that was the trick that got me excited to try it out. Because now, now the run wasn't determined by a two percent chance to finish your run at the very end. Now you could get up there one hundred percent of the time, and it was a lot easier to do.
0: And especially because, like you were mentioning, like uh, like honestly, when it comes to speed running, I know like losing one to two minutes is drastic. Just Mm -hmm. as losing like five to ten seconds on a frame you're used to getting every time is very drastic. So I'm sure like it's discoveries like that. Plus like all like the tricks and glitches you do leading up to that moment, you kind of just shave time off over any, the whole run. Like you're always like looking for, not you specifically, but like speedrunners are always kind of looking for like any tricks and like breaks they can do leading up to that moment. Um, Would you kind of say like learning the glitches towards the end of the run is more important or maybe the beginning to like get them launched, such
2: as leaving like the island at the very beginning? I would think it de- i think it depends on the kind of trick it is and its difficulty and i think it also depends it, it does depend because i think i think they're all important in their own way but you're also going to approach the beginning of the run and the end of the run very differently because at the beginning of the run you're gonna you're gonna do that part of the run far more often than you do at the end of the run because if you have a really yeah. bad run um yeah unless you just finish the run just for practice, you may, you may reset your run to start over to try to, to have another chance to have a better run. So you're gonna be, you, you're more, like, more than likely gonna see the beginning of the run with you know, the end of the run. So I think in that sense, in-game practice is more important from the sense that you might not see it as often. But practice at the beginning is also good, in its own right because you can get to the point where it's all just muscle memory at the beginning because you do it so often that sometimes doing practice at the beginning can help you see it a little bit more from outside the run's perspective because it it can be very easy to just look at the beginning of the run and be like okay I don't need to practice any of this I do all this all the time but it's always good to it's always important to remember to practice Anything, anything in the run, especially the stuff that you're struggling with, and look at it and be like, okay, why is this failing? What can I do to fix it? And maybe exactly. even, what can I do to make it better? Because so that's, that's also something I've been doing a lot in Majority Mass 3D recently as well, is that I've been looking at a couple of tricks that I know are really hard. Like there's one, there's one particular trick where we skip a cutscene and it had a really hard setup. And I actually was able to find a much easier setup. Oh. Because I, I looked okay. into it and experimented with how it worked, and I was able to find an easier setup, which made the run a little bit easier and more consistent.
1: And it seems like uh, it's quite like quite grueling, kind of going through the process. I'd say, like I know myself, it would be something that I would kind of find to be take quite a toll. Um, just kind of going through it and like restarting. And I know a little bit about speedrunning. Um, I kind of like to learn more, but that's kind of what it seems like. Um, regardless, but. Uh, prior to the the session we kind of looked into um the runs you have and you have quite a like quite an impressive suite of like placements there um and it's like pretty pretty uh pretty noteworthy um i'm assuming all those placements uh took quite some time and um we pri- probably probably really taxing um yeah. in that regard what like keeps you going like what's what's the drive that keeps you going on these speed runs there like, keeps going for those higher records.
2: You know, the drive is interesting. I think, I think part of it is because, well, I love those games to death. I love to play them. And I, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, I just enjoy those runs a lot. And sometimes I get motivation to be like, okay, I can get a better time here. And sometimes that's what drives me. So, like, for example, if there's, like, a, a certain goal time I want to go for, um, that might push me to... Really go for the, go for that particular goal. Like I've had a, I've had a lot of goals that I've wanted to that that I've gone through and even still want to, to go through. Like right now, I'm actually trying to get the world record in the no wrong work category in Metroid Mask 3D. Um, so that's kind of my goal for there. But I've had but like even then, like I've set smaller goals as well throughout that, even if I have a longer-term goal, I have smaller goals here and there as I go, and I think that also helps me keep motivated for, like, those longer goals, because if I, if I were to just focus on the longer goal before, like, I'm fully ready for that goal, then that can be pretty exhausting, but, like, like, for example, with what's, with Majora's Mask 3D right now, I had a hour and 39 minute time going back into the game, and I was like, okay, I I would like to at least get get in the top three. Top three was like a low 137, and so Mm -hmm. I eventually made my way past that, and then my next goal was to get second place. And then I was able to get second place, and eventually just slowly whittle the time down to a one thirty, to a one thirty four or forty four. Which, by the way, I'm actually tied for second place right now in that oh, wow. category. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then, so then it leads on to to the next goal. And I mean, you know, going going back to what you said, I mean, it it, it can be it can be a pretty big toll. I mean, I. I The way I see speedrunning is that it is a very enjoyable experience, it's a very rewarding experience, Mm -hmm. you gotta put a lot of hard work into it, a lot of practice, Um, but it's very rewarding, it's a lot of fun, you get to, you get infinite replay value in in your favorite games, Um, but it is hard, I mean, speedrunning is, speedrunning is a big mental game, and that was especially the case for me um, during Wind Waker HD at one point. In um twenty I think yeah, in late twenty twenty one when I was going for a sub fifty minute time, so getting a time under fifty minutes. So earlier earlier that year in 2021, we had we found a new trick. Um, Legend Link found a new trick called pause storage and that allows okay. us and that allowed us to skip most of the cutscenes because of a trick where we could open the options menu. And save the game during a cutscene, so we could save so we could save the game during a cutscene, and because we already because the game started the cutscene, it assumed we watched the rest of it, so that's how it skipped the cutscene you know, the, the game assumes. But anyways, i digress. Um, from when, when that when that trick was found, um, it was actually it was actually a pretty pretty intense situation because. Yeah, so Wind Waker HD is on the Wii U, and so, of course, on the Wii U, you have the uh, the Wii U gamepad, which is, which is this controller right here, which we, yeah. u- we yep. use this controller most because it has, it has gyro movement when you're aiming with your weapons, it's just better oh. to use with equipping items on the touchscreen. Just generally better for that. That's
1: actually really interesting.
2: Um, but, the thing is, is that the pause storage trick... Required this controller. Oh, which not very many people no. had. It was no. the, the Pro Controller. I actually think because... I remember that one. Mm-hmm. So, the Pro Controller is interesting. Because the Pro Controller actually has some limits. The Pro Controller does not have motion controls. For some reason. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. It also has some <laughs> other weird quirks. Um, that you had to get around. So, the gamepad was still just better overall. But you needed to be... In the Pro Controller mode to use this trick because you had to... because you can still use the the GamePad screen um, while using the Pro Controller. All right. So you, op- so you open the options on the touchscreen here while in this mode and that allows you if you open that as you go into a loading zone that's, that's how the trick works. Oh. Anyways, I digress a little bit there, but the point the point I'm trying to... the, the point is is that not very many people had a pro controller. In fact, only one runner. Um, in fact, only like one runner that I can think of really used the pro controller at all. Um, so not many people had the pro controller. The the current the Gold record holder, Mr. Alberto, he didn't have a pro controller. I didn't have a pro controller. So a lot of runners, when this trick was found, were trying to trying to buy, trying to get a pro controller online, try to get one, you know, delivered to them.
0: And there, there's which,
2: gold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was it was just a it was just the race to try to get pro controllers to to be able to test out the trick to to even like experiment with it, see what we could do with it. Um, now, but I got lucky because I did while I did look online, I was able to find a couple of pro controllers at a GameStop. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. I got I was able to get a pro controller that day earlier than most people did. So I was able yes. to not only help out with... I was able to not only help out with the trick itself and, like, finding strats for it, but I got a little bit of a head start in, in doing runs with it. And the current world record holder, Alberto, his for controller was coming in two weeks later. And so I... So during... So... Oh, my goodness. Words. <laughs> um, so once some... Um, once that trick was found, once I had a pro controller, that's when I went for world record in windwicker HD. And after after about two weeks of doing a lot of runs, I was able to get a world record.
0: Let's um, go! Yes.
2: Yeah. And so, which I only I only had it for a day before Alberto took it back. Um, but <laughs> Makes sense. I was still proud of myself for pushing my for pushing <laughs> through it and and getting through it. Um. Now, all all this being said, um eventually we were able to, eventually because of this trick we were able to get the time down for this game to under 50 minutes and so that was that was going to be my next goal so
0: i uh with the i goal. think what oh sorry go ahead i'm very sorry
2: oh no you're good um so the next goal was going to be sub 50 for me at the my world record was a 51 16 and so, the goal was to get sub-50 now. And world record, when I was going for sub-50, was 49, 47, I think, something like that. Okay. And so, so doing 80% runs, I get a run. This is, this is also months after the trick was found and I got world record. This was a few months later. I'd also was doing, I was also doing some of the other categories, like all dungeons, 100%. With the new trick, but anyways, um, so I had a run. It was on high forty-eight pace, so like on pace, he had a forty-eight minute time, which was Ooh. well ahead of the world record. Yeah, and yes. I was in the final dungeon after the pubgining fight. I'm heading up to do that, that trick we talked about earlier with the uh, with the hour. Mm-hmm. I ended up I ended up falling and losing a bit of time,
1: wow. and then
2: we get to the final boss. I messed up one of the segments. And while I still beat my personal best, the final time was a 50 minute and two second time. Just uh, just shy of uh, sub 50. And I say all this to say, um, as I prepare, do this long intro to prepare for what you were mentioning earlier, mm-hmm. the, ta- the taxing bit, that mental game, it definitely got me then. Because it was definitely a mental game just to get past those last three seconds. I was like, I, I just had as, as so many runs. I was, I was also getting burnt out. I was like, well, I've got, I've, got to, I've got to do it. I've got to commit to it, you know? And it, it took a few months of trying to just push through it and, and get it. And I finally, I finally got a, a sub-50 time. I got a like 49-35, um, which, uh, which was not the world record when I actually did get it. The world record ended up getting improved even further from there. So, but I got, I got my goal time and I was, I was relieved. So if you're ever at one of my streams and we joke about how I retired from eighty percent, I basically like announced I was, I was done with eighty <laughs> percent at that time. I was like, no, I'm done. Cause I, am done because i was, I was tired of doing it. And the other thing was, is that there's another trick that got found Old Pup again and skip where you skip yes. the Pup again and fight. With a really long zombie hover, and you have to get all the way to the top in a certain amount of time, and y- you can barely get up there. and it has to, you have to have really good, really good mashing so that you can kill one of the bats up, up on top so that they drop a heart so you can be on the top platform to skip the pup again and fight. Which I have still to this day not been able to do, but
1: oh.
2: um. Which is unfortunate, but maybe someday I will, I will be able to do it. Definitely. Um, it, it is a very grueling trick. But, but yes. So yes. Speedrunning can be, can be hard sometimes. And you definitely have to make sure, <laughs> make sure you don't let it get, get the best of you for sure. But it is, it is a lot of fun at the end of the day. And very rewarding. Because I can definitely say when I got sub-50, I can, I can definitely say it was worth it. It was worth especially it
0: sure. because, uh, like out of everything you just said, there a few things took out to me. The one being just like all like the different speedrunners' names you were mentioning, because that right there really tells you it's like a big, like family bond almost, instead mm-hmm. of like uh, we're competing against each other. Yeah, sure, maybe you guys are going for like the fastest time, but you guys are also assisting each other in the background to like motivate each other in the streams, watch each other, like hey. Uh, Perfect it this way hey do this like i've seen alberto in your stream go like hey try from this angle hey a dude on this frame and it like you guys have helped like uh iron sharpens iron like you guys have also done it so well especially with leanne too i know you and leanne have a very like a sarcastic butting heads relationship but at the end of the day it's all about like the common goal of like trying to speed run very well but uh perfect the tricks very well also but at the same time, you keep that very, very good like speedrunning family connection, which when it comes to anything competitive, it's really hard to find a group of people that are really trying to work together instead of against each other. And I always found with speedrunning, specifically Mario sixty four, that's like almost like an entry level video game for just viewers to watch. It's Super Mario sixty four because that's a very like easy game to like sit back, relax. So you're just like, oh, how is this happening so far? When I was a kid, this game took me weeks upon months to beat. And now people are doing it in 14 minutes. What do you mean? Then you go back and, like, you're watching the one streamer you watch. 20 minutes later, you hop in a stream. That speedrunner is in that chat now helping that person out. So what really, what really I'm trying to get at with all of this is, like, going into speedrunning, did you know or did you, like, kind of expect the community that you were going to join? Or did you have kind of have a whole other, like, mindset or kind of, like, a... Not a, not like a daunting thought, but you didn't know what you were getting into going into the speedrunning community.
2: Um well, initially when I first started streaming i wasn't I wasn't really in the community. I was just kind of doing runs for fun. Um, I didn't even really expect I was going to get into the like like be a part of the community, but then I eventually did. I met some pretty cool people there, and it really it it really showed me even further that whole that friendliness and cooperate cooperative nature that speedrunning running can have in in most places which I could kind of see that just from watching speedrun um speedruns and speedrunners that there was kind of a, a competitive and friendly nature to it which was really nice but but yeah no you you hit the nail on the head head there for sure I mean we've had we have had like friendly races with each other just like you know just all hanging out just having fun joking around doing doing some races um we help each other That with strats, like you said, Alberto helped me with strats. Um, I mean, we've even, Alberto and I have even been in uh, VCs together um, going over strats. And one, t- one time he was, like, helping me go through my P V and noting some stuff, like some time saves. Which, by the way, Alberto is the best, the best at that game, for sure. Um, and, I there, and, and, there, I and there and there were some st- there was some stuff he mentioned that that one day it, it was like so many little tiny things here and there that that he mentioned I was like I had no idea that existed so it's just <laughs> it's just really cool to be able yeah. to like like there is a, a sense of friendly competition in there but we're also all working together to make the game faster make the game more easier to get into making it better for. People just coming in. I mean, if you just see, I, I can I can definitely use Wind Waker HD as an example because, of course, I'm in I'm in there uh, most of the time. Um, but you can even see like in practice, self we have a lot of people helping helping new new players out, helping them with stress. who would be like, "Hey, I'm struggling with this trick," and they'll they'll give them resources, help them through it. It's just a very that's definitely one thing that's kept me with speedrunning too. Is just that very friendly nature to it that you almost wouldn't expect but it's very welcoming and definitely very very good to have and i think and i'm really glad that that we have that in a lot of a lot of speedrunning communities for sure
1: yeah definitely And um, kind of going over the course of like this, we've only kind of touched on a few games there, uh, mostly Zelda games. I'm assuming that you're a pretty big fan of the Zelda games there Mm -hmm. Um, because you talked about playing your favorite, being able to actually just continuously play and have good replayability of your favorite games. Um, That's something I I wish I had. Um, But um, I digress. Um, With all these games that were kind of Specifically, you've been in speedrunning and enjoying. Are they all games that you've like, kind of initially started just playing for fun? Like, they're your like fun like games you really enjoyed at first, and then became speedrunning games you enjoyed uh, speedrunning. Or did you ever play a game? Is there any games that you've ever tried to speedrun, um, just because they were like the what's being played right now? I'm just kind of curious there.
2: So for for Wind Waker HD and Majora's Mask 3D. Uh, I've grown. I've grown up with the Zelda series my whole life, so of course I played the original Wind Waker, and I had the I had the remaster. And what's funny about that, really, was that I was doing a a casual playthrough of Wind Waker HD in 2017 because I was watching a bunch of Wind Waker HD speedruns. It made me be like, "Oh, I want to play this game again." And then, yeah, <laughs> I, I I got 100%. I completed the entire game, and I was like kinda of wanna keep playing. And that I, I think that also added on to me <laughs> we wanting to speedrun, which of course little little did poor Joe Ash know at that day when he thought that they'd be playing the game for five more <laughs> years. But you know, it's, it's just how it goes. But um <laughs> but yeah, and then for like for Majora's mask three D Um, one of the, that that same streamer, Gymnast, that that I watched, he also speed ran Majora's Mask 3D. And I I thought the speedrun was just really cool. And Majora's Mask is one of, if not my favorite game of all time. And I thought the speedrun for the 3D version specifically was really cool. Now, for Majora's Mask, I like the original a lot more than the remaster, just because there's like some questionable changes they made in the remaster. But a lot of the tricks and glitches are exclusive to the 3d version made it a really cool speedrun and it made me be like okay i, I kind of want to try this out and i did and i really and i really enjoyed it and that's kind of how that came to be so I, I always tell people i'm like i like the original more as a as a casual like normal experience but i but i do love the 3d version for its speed run that's kind of that's kind of the mindset for that game um as far as far as new games There certainly has been a couple of times where I've looked at a game and been like, maybe I should try to speedrun, you know, maybe get into the speedrun from day one. Which, that actually did kind of happen for the Link's Awakening remaster, or remake, that they did on the Switch. I was thinking, okay, I like the original Link's Awakening. This this remake is looking really good. Maybe I should try and see what it's going to be like to do a speedrun day one. And so I did. So after I did my my casual playthrough through the game, I started looking at the speedrun and what people were doing with the speedrun so far, like I think it was like day three or four after the game came out. Yeah. So I was trying the, the speedrun strats that had been found currently at the time, like things were still being found. Um But I will I will say speedrunning a game when it just when it had just come out is really tough in its own right, especially when that game is getting a lot of things that are found. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. *Links Awaken*, yeah. the *Links Awakening* remake ended up being pretty broken, and they were finding stuff like throughout the first month that it was released. And so that that first week, um, I would do a run, and then the next day, like the route would be completely different, and I'd have to like study up and <laughs> see like what changed and try to try to figure it out just to stay just stay caught up to it. And then it would change again the next day. And eventually, like, I ended up just going, I ended up going back to Wind Waker HD pretty shortly after it, because it was just, it ended up being really tough to keep up with everything that was changing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of an example of a day one speedrun, more or less, where a new game comes out and you try the speedrun of it. Essentially, speedruns are definitely very difficult to do day one because of that fact that things were still being found, things were still being worked out, um, even rule sets were changing. Um, how do you want to time the run? How do you want to deal with this certain thing that we may have found? Like, like those kind of things. Um, as far as non Zelda games, um, I mean, it really does come down to a lot of, a lot of the games I speak to on are games that I've grown up with and that I know I already enjoy. So I also understand them to a certain extent, which makes of it. Course which makes watching the speedruns a little bit easier to enjoy as well. So yeah, for the most part, um, the speedruns that I like to do, slash am interested in doing, mostly revolve around games I've grown up with. Um, Like, I'm interested in learning Ocarina of Time eventually, someday, and Super Mario 64 I've grown up with my whole life. Well, both that and Ocarina of Time I've grown up with. Um...
0: And like, um, I really enjoy all the games you mentioned there. Like, kind of were really close to your heart, or like you had a really fun time playing. Cause like, even a casual playthrough of a video game such as like, Wind Waker, bajora's Mask. Like, I'm sure like as a kid playing it, not speed running it yet, you're kind of like thinking like, oh, I'm finding I can do this faster, or I can go do that faster. Not even speed running them yet. This is just you as a kid, like, oh, okay. I can get to Dragon Roost Island very fast because like I know the route. <laughs> then you go you go to speed run it, and you're like, oh, I just cut that in like one tenth. And uh, what what I really wanted to touch on earlier, and I don't know if it was that comfort uh, like that uh, little segment right there, or the one before, was uh, like how you watched Wind Waker speed runs to make you want to play Wind Waker again. I think when I initially entered the chat back in, I believe it was like january or february of 2021 Mm -hmm. as you mentioned at the beginning of the stream i literally said it's like i'm too lazy to hook up my wii u i really like watching wind waker this seems like the cool place to be i'm really enjoying everyone's like so positive everyone's so like happy here and you're like yeah come on in this like this is what we're going for right now this is what we're doing because wind waker is my favorite game of all time and like if i can just watch a speed run it kind of kind of tricks my brain to not have to hook up the Wii U because I'm I'm enjoying somebody <laughs> else I'm enjoying somebody else play it. Uh I do pray every day for that Switch remake to finally be a thing. I've True. I still have hope. I I still have hope for it. Uh and I really hope one day I'll be able to just like lay in bed, put the Switch on, have Wind Waker HD HD because the HD is already <laughs> on the Wii U. Uh but what I really wanted to segue this into was the other half of you as a content creator and a video game enthusiast. You've also created a video game with a sequel in the works. Uh, the video game being titled Slipstream. I would like to know kind of the origin story to that. And like, is like the sequel, was the sequel planned from the beginning or just something you did after like completing or uh, finishing the majority of Slipstream number one?
2: Yeah, so, so Slipstream is made on a program called Zelda Classic. It's a it's an engine that's recreated based off the Zelda One engine. Like it's a complete recreation of Zelda One's engine, but it comes with its own editor um, and all that sort of stuff. And that that was something I was I was like really into when I was a lot younger, like back in back in high school days, um, because I had an interest in making games and you know making Zelda games. You know, whoa, I get to make my own Zelda game. You know, that that's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. But um, over over time as I was. As I was, you know, messing with the program and seeing what other people did, some some people were also using it as kind of an outlet for more original stories and like original gameplay elements, like something that's a little bit easier to use and and kind of and kind of get out there. So I thought, okay, what if I try something like that? Like, you know, do some like original stuff. Like, obviously, you know, I, I can't sell it because. You know, it's it's Zelda one, but it's still you know it's a it's a creative outlet to get it out there. So it became, so it started. So like that program started as you know I I can make Zelda games with this. To this is a creative outlet I can use. So Slipstream, in the year 2015, summer 2015, they they do what's called a two week quest contest where you have two weeks to make a game. You can you can do some of the preliminary stuff, but you can't like make Make areas or stuff like that okay so, so i made some of the preliminary stuff and so i came up with this idea so slipstream is a metroidvania where the main character goes to save his best friend and grandmother in this big like wormhole that that's in the center of their world um and a bunch of people have now fallen into it and whoever falls into the slipstream never returns like there's no way out so the main character he he jumps into the slipstream to go save them, not knowing if, if they'd ever even make it back. But the slipstream houses all these different like realms, these different types of areas. And so it's like different so it's like a, a garden area, there's like a lava area, rainy area, you know, like that sort of stuff. So So I started working on Slipstream and I was just kind of working area by area. There's eight areas in it. And to, to, your, to your part of the question where you were asking if I had planned to make a sequel initially, not at first. Um, Substream didn't have too deep of a story other than what I had mentioned there. Um, but near the very end of development, when I got to the last area, to the last boss, I thought to myself, it'd be too easy for the main character to find both his grandmother and best friend at the same time but like it feels yeah. it was a little too easy and so he only finds one he only finds his best friend and then of course that leads to a sequel leads to a to be continued I literally had to be continued at the end of it <laughs> so I was like well no it was a sequel <laughs> there you and go. so and so that was the game I made for this two week quest contest and out of like out of nine I think it was like it was like eight or nine entries it was voted second best. Yeah, with, nice. with two other auxiliary awards. They had like the Balance Award, they had um, Storytelling Award, all that stuff. I believe, if I remember correctly, it won the Balance Award for like just overall game balance. And Innovation Award, I think it was. I think. Okay. So it was cool. So a, l- a little bit about Slipstream's gameplay is, like I said, it was, it's a Metroidvania. But the combat works on an element-based system, so you have you have fire weapons, you have uh, water weapons, you have electric weapons, and you have slipstream material weapons, which I have named in the game Sliptonite. Um, and <laughs> yeah. essentially each each weapon and enemy are assigned a color. So like fire is red, blue is water, green is is energy, and you know purple is Sulphur material, and so for and so each each color or each element has a weakness, um, has has a particular weakness. Like fire has a weakness to water, and vice versa. And Sliptonite has a weakness to energy, and vice versa. So the way it works is that if you have it, you have an enemy, if you hit it with the element that it's weak to, it does normal damage. If you hit it with any other element, it does half damage. But if you use the same element as the enemy, so like say energy on energy, they block they block the attack. Yeah. They don't get hit by it. So that's kind of a universal damage table for all the enemies. Mm-hmm. So you have to so it kinda of, that system encourages you to use different weapons. And so you're not always using the, the same weapon. So like maybe maybe your favorite weapon, you're not going to be able to defeat every enemy with it. Mm-hmm. And it's a consistent thing across the board. So it's like easy to understand once you kind of get the concept. That was that's, a, that's the idea behind it.
1: That makes sense. See why it's like kind of got that balance reward. It's kind of cool mm-hmm. how you have to like balance out the um, different elements to the different enemies. Because like you could just stick with the, your favorite weapon, but like it kind of forces you to switch it up, which is actually really cool. <laughs>
2: Right, yeah, and I'm I'm really happy that it ended up getting the balance war, considering it's a two week game and it's not that much time to 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 balance things out. Um, so it won second, and it ended up being pretty pretty well received. Enough so, of course, that I wanted to to get a better better version of of the game out. But um, due to motivation and me also working on other projects as well, and also life being busy. Throughout throughout the years, it, the um, remaster or or rather the definitive version of Slipstream ended up taking longer than expected because I also had some different ideas for it. I was gonna ta- originally I thought about tacking the sequel onto the original game, but then I I didn't like how it paced the game. You're basically playing one game then doing another with with yeah. full items, so. So eventually, what I ended up doing was I added an entire post-game, where you can re-explore the world and do these like different trials, um, that are based off of the, um, off of each each world. And there's like some secret bosses, and then one final, final super boss at the very end that you can fight. That will lead into, that leads into um, some what's it called? like a cliffhanger for for the next game kind of leads oh. into the the next game a little bit more and so i ended up releasing that well i ended up finishing most of the game in like end of 2017 2018. or something something like that and then but i was burnt out from working on a different game i had also done another uh, contest and then i ended up i ended up not getting back to it until 2019 when i was looking back at it I thought, okay, I'm going to play through Slipstream again and see how close I actually was to finishing. Because I wasn't even expecting, like, the game to finish. But then I got through most of the game and I finished everything. And there was only, like, five or six things I needed to tweak or fix. And I was like, I had this game almost done and I didn't finish it. (laughs) Yeah. So now, because of that, my motivation kind of came back. And um so I was able to get that get that out and finished. And so I released the definitive version in 2019. And it ended up winning. They so the Zelda Classic community they have like a superlatives for voting mm-hmm. best uh, like best music, best game. It ended up winning Game of the Year on that. Yeah. So so that was so that yeah. was pretty cool. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so there is a sequel to Slipstream coming out. Um, it's definitely taking a little longer than I was expecting, um, mostly because I'm also working on streaming such such. I, I also have a full-time job uh, these days, so just trying to find the time balance to, to finish it. Um, but it is in development. I am working on it, and hopefully... I'm hoping to have at least something before the end of the year. Yeah, so, definitely. Um that's actually So really yeah, sequel, sequel is being is being worked on. Um one other one other thing to kinda tie the speedrunning <laughs> and um game development together here. Um you might be wondering what do I think of people speedrunning my game as, as a speedrunner. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. And and I'm all for it. I mean I'm a speedrunner. that'd be hypocritical if I if I thought otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, seriously. Um, <laughs> there there was one guy his name was chef bear and in 20 i remember what year it was it might have been 2021 i think it, yeah i think it was 2021. he he played the game and he really enjoyed it and he was looking he speedrun or he used to speedrun ocarina of time glitchless he had a world record in that at one point and so he was looking he he words he decided to look into Slipstream and see if there was anything he could he could break in there or try to speed run it. So essentially When he started looking for stuff The world record for 80% was like just under 30 minutes mm-hmm. and even I did a couple of runs just for fun You know to kind of kind of see what it's like um, And then he eventually found this glitch where you can use the warp that you use to go to town if you use that warp and touch another warp, you can screen wrap and go into go into out of bounds areas and do all this uh, all this weird stuff oh, and there there were some other things found too, like it ended up being really broken,
0: <laughs> so uh-huh.
2: eventually because of that glitch, it got down to seven minutes, which to me it was like really in a way it was like it surprised me to see <laughs> to see it but but I was also like it's really cool how this thing that I made at this one point. allows this to happen like if i didn't do this this wouldn't have been a this wouldn't have happened and it's like yeah it's actually really cool to see my game in this kind of light in in just kind of a completely different way like kind of seeing it from a new perspective um but you might be you might be wondering well how fast is any percent in my game yeah so the the last thing that was found um because Shaffer and I were kind of working on the game. He was asking me, like, some questions about some of the technical sides of things to confirm some things. So I gave him, I gave him some inside knowledge a little bit. Um, but <laughs> then, he, but then, he had to, then he had to go to... Then he, he ended up getting busy after, after about a month of working on all this. But, but the last thing that was found was that you could actually escape the intro cutscene so the intro cutscene is, is on this map. And when you're on the intro cutscene, your character is just invisible. You can move around. And I guess, I guess given that I was on a two-week time constraint originally when making the game, I didn't put borders around the main character. And I thought, well, there. you won't be able to... You're in the center of the screen. You don't, have, you don't have enough time to get to the edge of the screen. So basically what happens is that for each scene of the of the cutscene is a different screen and so you're basically moving moving to the left during each scene as as your character is slowly moving to the edge of the screen and so right on one of these scenes you eventually hit the edge of the screen and go back to the previous scene and then you basically go back and forth on the edge of the screen resetting each screen so you don't go forward into the story until you finally just escape those screens and you're in these like, in these developer screens. Oh. And oh, so you're no. able to you're able you're actually able to access the the final <laughs> the, the final scene from from the intro and it no. ended up being beaten in under a minute. <laughs> under a minute yeah. I just thought it was so funny how it ended up <laughs> no. that way. It was like I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't I didn't know what to expect, but I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> And it was no. just really
1: funny to see. No. That's uh, that's crazy. And um it seems like you really kind of like put a lot of passion into it, like into developing it and kind of like making the game. Is it is it something that you'd kind of like to keep going, like keep progressing through? I know you wanted to kind of go into a sequel of the game, but is there, is it something that you kind of want to go through more into like other game development? Is that something that you're interested in? Like would would game development in general just be something that you would be interested in later?
2: Oh, definitely. I've Especially ever since Slipstream and some of the other games I've made, I've definitely had a great interest in game design. Really, the biggest thing stopping me is just the time management of it all. But yeah, hopefully I can I can work that out a little bit more. But oh, for sure, like I've even looked into into learning Unity. Eventually, mm-hmm. um, there is another there is another series which I won't I won't mention in too much detail right now. But there is another series I've had, I've had in mind for a long time, and I'm still kind of writing out the story for it, um, that I would like to make in Unity instead. So um, hopefully, hopefully that, that becomes a thing. But yeah, I, game design is, just, is something that I definitely love a lot. It's, really, it's a really cool thing to do, is there uh, for lack of a better term.
1: Is there a particular aspect of it that you enjoy the most?
2: I just enjoy putting putting the game together, like, I, I enjoy seeing the progression of of the the gameplay, like, seeing how things are put together, how, how they kind of, how they can come full circle, and kind of, and putting together, like, some of the mysteries of, like, post-game, and just, and using it also as a way of storytelling as well, I just, I just think all of that is just really cool, and to be able to do that myself, and to work on something and make something that I can be proud in or proud of rather is just, it's cool. I I, I just, I just think the whole process is really cool.
0: What I've really enjoyed about this, especially like the slipstream uh, conversation we're having right now is just like your enthusiasm and your passion for creating stories, let alone just like the video game development. Like you're very passionate about the story and like the lore behind everything and like everything makes sense you didn't really want to attach slipstream to with one because you could kind of just quickly advance instead of like given that to be continued It would just be gone. Like it would just be like continuation right into it. And I feel like especially learning a program like unity, I'm not very familiar with unity, uh, but I do know like you see like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of video games, even from indie developers, because indie developers are honestly taking over the world for like the last eight to nine years on any, on any platform, like Xbox arcade, uh the PlayStation store, especially the Nintendo eShop. I think there's like a hundred new games uploaded every day. So I feel like uh working towards a goal like that, like seeing your game on the eShop, that'd be like full circle for you, on top of like having that like very like happy feeling of seeing people speed run your games. Because I know there's a lot of developers out there who make games specifically so they're speed run. Uh speed mm-hmm. run. Uh like I really I really like watching like developers not go like I'm going to patch that because you broke my game instead it's like hey what else can you do with this game because I didn't know that existed I'm not going to patch it I want to see what else you can do Um, but with going from slipstream and backing up a bit to your streaming uh, what is kind of like your pre-stream ritual or are you someone that really just like hits the live button and like hosts a session do you have anything like uh, you uh, prep or uh, try to like aim for before doing a stream
2: Um, I mean sometimes if I'm doing a speed run sometimes I I practice a little bit before I stream Um, but really it's not really too terribly complicated like sometimes I'm like okay I'm streaming at this time I just sit down I get stuff ready I'll get music ready for the starting soon screen and then I just start now sometimes I may take care of a couple of things like quick things here and there during the starting soon screen to let let people get in Um, but I mean it's really it's really that simple really I just I sit down in this chair and just <laughs> and, just yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. and uh, with that I guess wrapping everything up from the speed running to the games you've enjoyed to slipstream uh, I know you hinted at it a lot or kind of like laid out the foundation for 2023 with the Joe Astor wreck but what is on your bucket list to accomplish not only in 2023 but like like the future do you have like concrete goals you're like accomplishing smile uh, smile small uh, milestones to get towards or are you just like taking it like a year
2: at a time I think at this point I'm kind of taking it as it comes um, with content creation it can definitely be very unpredictable um, and I definitely have experienced like massive growth in numbers and then and then dips in numbers mostly because of like just following the hype of certain discoveries being found with speed runs and and stuff like that so it's like the fluctuation of it I'm just kind of I'm kind of going along with it and you know if something as far as like growth is concerned if it works out that's great I'm gonna keep doing what I do keep making the best things as possible and I think at the end of the day that's I'm gonna keep enjoying what I do and if it if it helps me break through to a wider audience that's great Um, as far as the stuff I as far as the stuff I do um, really um, as far as big goals, um, just keep speedrunning uh, favorite games. Um, finish Slipstream 2 at the very least, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and hopefully make even more games after that. Um, I've also been I've also been working on my YouTube channel a lot more. I've been doing a lot more video editing lately, um, which. Really thinking about that. I mean, streaming has helped me to bring back a lot of my childhood slash younger day um, passions and really bringing it to life and bringing it out there now, which is yes. which has been really cool. I'm bringing back the video—I used to do a lot of video editing when I was young. Uh, the game design that I used to do with Zelda Classic—that's that's come back. The interest in speedrunning is, is all coming into this one now. Now this one bubble that I have. With, with content creation, game design, and speedrunning. And it's just, really, I just wanna keep it going and hopefully I can be able to make it sustainable one day. That's really, that's the hope, is that it can be sustainable and maybe even, maybe even something bigger someday, so who knows. But really the goal is, the goal is also just to have fun and enjoy it, keep enjoying the process. I've made a lot of memories so far with it, so keep doing that. <laughs> what
0: uh what i really admire about you and i'm sure i've told you this many times in the past but like the number one thing i admire about you specifically not even like going live to speedrun but you as a person is like you're very genuine and like you just you want the best out of everybody around you and like as you mentioned like the numbers there uh like numbers are everywhere but like you would be doing this with 0 you'd be doing this with 500 so, it's, like, a very, like, it's a very admirable trait you have to, like, continuously have fun and know why you're doing it, as opposed to feeling kind of pressured into doing it. Um, I know that, like, in your uh, Joe Ashtorek, you kind of mentioned, like, I kind of switch between games a lot, but, like, it was not probably really a decision that, like, was daunting to you. It was kind of just, like, what you want to do at the time that you kind of noticed afterwards. But, like, something, like, something, man, like, I'll always look up to you for specifically is, like the happiness and the like the, the generosity you have towards others in the speedrunning community. Because people like you are very rare to come by when it comes to just as like a general person. Um I know when I initially pitched the idea of FTI to you, uh like I was just like, hey, we run this newsletter. Um I would love to like highlight you in a newsletter. And at the time I it was, I believe, uh the flourishing season in spring twenty twenty one. You kinda made me feel very like appreciated off just letting me like highlight you because especially at that time I was like really trying to like understand the concept of FTI and for you to like say hey man like yeah I don't mind putting your uh, logo on my stream to know like I'm I'm part of a community like you're helping me I'm helping you and uh every time like an outsider looking in for example some of my friends in real life that are like on FTI from like the outside looking in when they're like oh so like you say like your your FTI logo, is like on like Twitch streams and such. I'm like, well, yeah, because we're like a community. Uh, Joe Wash can get a record or you can just be streaming and nine times out of ten, you can find the logo there. And I think in like big capital letters, every time I pop into a stream, I'm like, man, this made my day. You have no idea. Uh, so what I'm really trying to get at and run circles around, it sounds like at this point, is just like, thank you for being the person you are outside of the streaming and inside the streaming because people like you are rare to come by, and I just wanted to make make sure you know you're appreciated not only by me, but I'm sure by your audience and like the speeder and community you have uh, when it's all said and done as well.
2: I I really appreciate that too. That the that that means a lot for sure. <laughs> I uh... yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's it's definitely been fun being able to share some stuff with you, and I, I appreciate you also bringing me on this podcast to be able to talk about all this. Um, even if I feel like I've rambled a little bit here and there, but you know what? I mean, the information is out there. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> so and now so yeah. I, uh, I want to kind
0: of like give you the microphone. Um, uh, typically how we usually end this is like, whatever, like you want to say, you go ahead. Uh, like there's absolutely no like limit to what you can say. You can honestly plug whatever. But I kind of feel like your out message is gonna be very like not even just inspirational, just like like the perfect way to like uh wrap everything
2: with the bow. So I'm gonna pass the microphone to you. Alright. I mean I think I think I've said most of what I wanted to say throughout this, so I guess I'll go ahead and say, um if you do want to check out my stuff, um I stream on Twitch. Um I'm uploading to YouTube now. Um like I said, I'm streaming speedruns and I do casual content too, the casual content Um, I do like, I've done, I'm doing, well, I'm doing Donkey Kong 64 right now. Um, Yes! I've done done Spirit Tracks. Um, I've done Hollow Knight, which by the way, with Hollow Knight, I've been uploading highlighted um, edits of my Hollow Knight playthrough because it was one of the most iconic (laughs) playthroughs of of my channel. Um, a A lot of people that... Are regulars in the stream or a, n- a number of people at least are regulars in the stream came from that playthrough there were a lot of a lot of good memories with that a lot of a lot that came with that playthrough especially so with both the speedrunning and the casual playthroughs we, we do that on stream on the YouTube I've been doing a lot of a lot of highlights of, of said content that is streamed on twitch um, and I also put like some of my personal best speedruns on there as well um, I think that's it, really, and, uh, well, and of course, and of course, uh, hope you will check out Slipstream as well. Um, I have a, I, I do have a doc, a, a document that explains how to, how to download it and, and get it set up. Uh, for anyone that, that may be curious, just, just let me know and I can, I can get you that doc. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's been like I said before, it's surreal that i've I've even gotten to this point i have I have my own community regulars that that show up a good number of regulars I mean I remember at one point i I thought to myself when I was still averaging like two to three viewers, I was like it would be really cool to at the very least at the very least you know have like ten ten twenty people at least like a little like a small community and i I've been blessed to have that now um and I'm like, you know what? I, while I would like to grow, for sure, at the very least, I do. Ha- I do have a community, and that that I can be thankful for. And so, yeah, I think I think that's all I have to to say. Um, J o a i s h. That's <laughs> that's where you can find me.
0: And uh, F T I community. That's where you'll be able to find uh, Joe Ash. Honestly, on majority of platforms. Uh, Twitch primarily with his YouTube as well Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation I think I speak on behalf of Will when I say that Uh, the great thing about the In Your Studio podcast that I've uh, honestly grown over the last few sessions is like I thought I knew a lot going in but I've learned 200% more about uh, creators such as yourself uh, and like why you do what you do and like the behind the scenes aspect so I say thank you uh, and uh, on behalf of Will, Joash, and I, uh, to the entire TI community who is listening, I hope you guys have an amazing week ahead. Or if you're listening to this in the morning, I hope you have an amazing day. And uh, we will catch you next Friday. So, everybody, have a great night.